You're listening to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lubiton. The Show on the Road is sponsored by Nomad, the tech accessory company that specializes in high-quality leather and ruggedly engineered accessories, batteries, cases, and cords that keep your gizmos charged, protected, and ready to rock. I'm currently using their Kevlar fiber iPhone cable and mobile power pack, and they saved me on a long flight to Europe recently. They're super sweet. Not only do Nomad's products look awesome, they're built to last, and this is pretty cool too. Their leather products come from the historic Horween Tannery in my hometown of Chicago, the same place that makes the leather on NBA's basketballs. Go to www.hellonomad.com BGS and put in the discount code BGS to receive 15% off until the end of January. Try getting your friends holiday gifts they will actually use. Nomad, designed for adventure. This week on the show, I talked to Rob Kolar and Lauren Brown of the theatrical space rock duo Kolars. Sure, many husband and wife bands try and stand out in their own way, but Rob and Lauren, they take it one step further. They are both multi-talented multi-instrumentalists who create a sci-fi-inspired, jangly, joyful strain of roots rock that sounds much bigger than two people. Sometimes, you just have to see something to believe it. Do they wear glam makeup with blinding space-age outfits and the tightest pants possible? Absolutely. It's like maybe they're Grace Slick and David Bowie's long-lost kids. I'm gonna ask you folky purists to open your mind for a second. Imagine Rob with a glittering electric guitar. And Lauren? Well, she doesn't just play the drums. She flips the kid on its head, jumps up, and tap dances on the drums. It's like something in the musical cabaret with a garage rock twist. Some bands say they tour the world once they get together, but these guys? I almost worry about their sanity they travel so much. I actually ran into them in Barcelona while on my honeymoon, and we shared churros and tapas, and while I eventually went home, they kept touring all over Europe and the States nonstop for the next five months straight. And who took care of their cat, you ask? You know what? I don't know. But I'm super glad I was able to catch up with them in their little studio in the Hollywood Hills. Okay, if you're starting to catch on to an accidental theme here on the show, you're right. It seems like a huge amount of the groups I talk to these days are husband and wife bands. They fall in love, they form a band, they tour the world. And I can almost hear my mom's voice in my head asking, how can love and marriage survive 200 days a year on the road and telling your most personal secrets to a live audience each night? But apparently it can. Look at my previous guests, Mandolin Orange, Birds of Chicago, Mike and Ruthie of the Mammals, Bella Fleck and Abigail Washburn. Maybe you could say it's the ultimate mixing of business and pleasure, but really, I'm finding that underneath it all, music is a true family business. And while it may not be easy to make it work, all these folks are thriving some even bringing kids on the adventure with them. When it comes to Rob and Lauren, there really is no business like show business. Rob comes from a family of Hollywood royalty, and he's also a talented composer for movie and TV shows when he's not traveling the world all the time. I'm not gonna lie, the guy makes me a little jealous. Anyway, let's hear from them now, Rob and Lauren of Kolars. I'm here with glam rock duo Kolars. Hello. That's right, hello. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, glam rock or duo or <laughs> glam collars. rock, <laughs> glam rock. Uh, collars yes in Czech it would be collars is that, is that the family origin story the family origin story it essentially means uh, like wheeler or wheel maker oh. it would be like Vag- do Wagner they, do they have those anymore like I feel like, like a that's real a dying trade. yeah it is a dying so, trade. the name what does the Machines, name mean anymore robots make them right now. exactly how quickly was uh, the 
family in America? Is this, is this a recent phenomenon? Or? Yeah, dad was um, Czech, born in Brno in the Czech Republic, and he fled oh, to your, Switzerland. Your dad is from... Yeah, wow. he's, he passed recently, last year. I'm sorry about um, Big fan of the band, so we miss him, but... Um, but now we're he, honoring him with yeah, the name. Yeah, we honor him with the name, so it all kind of comes around. But yeah, he, he was... Uh, uh, I, my sister and I are first-generation Americans. And you are husband and wife? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> On good when days. When it's convenient. <laughs> and Taxes, for tax purposes. So you guys grew out of a previous group that you had with your sister. Yes. Named, he's my brother, she's my sister. <laughs> I Very was, uh, factual title. You should have been named husband and wife or something for this band. We just kept the theme going. <laughs> she's my going. wife. He's, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. A lot of people say he's that. He's my wife, she's my husband. That'd be kind yeah. of um, But I remember, I remember seeing that band you know, the satellite in various places around town when I first came to L.A. Yeah. Um, I think Dust Bowl played with you Yeah, guys we did a show. Yes. We did do um, a show. I think the L.A. Folk Fest. If oh, it was definitely that there. one. That was yeah. a fun fest. I know. At Zorthian's Ranch. Up on the hill. Bizarre Zorthian. Diana Fuhrer. Yeah. We're, uh, we're in their studio right now, which is uh, hovering above Chavez Ravine by Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty sweet little view. Yeah, walking distance to Dodger Stadium. It's we nice. never do that, but yeah. it's good to know that. How many Dodger games did you go last year? One, in the World one, two. one oh, in the past we were five gone years. During the World, or were we gone? I think we were gone during the World Series, but we went to I think two games last season, which is pretty good. I think you're lying about one. that. One, okay, one. We dev- I definitely went to one. Are you sports fans or no? Big hockey, uh, LA Kings, oh. and soccer, uh, Liverpool FC. Interesting. Uh, I'm not a. <laughs> she likes ice skating. What are sports? Did you see I Tanya? <laughs> yes, yes, I loved we it. loved it. Yes, I used to figure skate actually. So you grew up in L.A. I did, and England, but mostly L.A. And what about you? Boston. Oh, nice. All right, we're gonna talk a little bit about your project uh, as Kolars. Uh, Oh yeah, that's that probably good. why we're. Here. Sounds right. I mean, <laughs> I think. Uh, Makes sense. I think people don't realize is that uh, there's not enough tap dancing percussionists there aren't enough no there are a few and i don't think there are any other that play drums simultaneously i think i'm the only one although i've been messaging on instagram with a girl that's trying to figure out how to build a tap dancing drum and i'm trying to help her build one how did you get that idea it was it was a pure experiment and it was based out of necessity because our drummer quit and he's my brother and then I was just tap dancing alongside the drummer at that point, Pipe Ceballos, who's now with Zoe and is doing very well. And so, Rob, you had the idea. You had the idea for me to drum and tap dance at the same time, and I thought you were crazy. And this was around, what, 2009? No, later. later. Maybe 2010 Two thousand Yeah. 2010-ish. Because you, you were doing it with He's My Brother. I was. And I was tap dancing, but I knew yeah. I was not drumming at all. Okay. And then it started slow. I would start with a snare, and I'd start with the cymbal, and I'd start with maybe the tom came in at some point, and then now I have a kind of a full drum kit, um, and then it's, 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 it's become elevated. Is that the right word? I don't know. Well, yeah, I am elevated. Elevated on multiple <laughs> levels. Yeah. You've yeah. gotten better. Yeah, I've gotten better. And you're higher. And I'm literally. higher up than before. Like, yeah, it's definitely a unique spectacle. Uh, right. And there's something um, very theatrical about what you guys do. There's There was a line in one of your songs that I think sums up your music for me. Um, 
If I could only find it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all your notes. You're I so prepared. It. You're very organized. I'm so prepared, yet and can't you're a find musician? a fantastic <laughs> reverie. Oh, oh, cool. A fantastic reverie oh, yeah. is when you go see a Colmar show. Oh, I love thank that. You. Thanks. Yeah, that, I'm going to take, qu- take our quote from your lips. <laughs> and we'll, yeah. <laughs> well, there is, there is a lot of elements of, of sort of 60s, 70s psychedelia. And, Definitely. Um, this sort of dreamy... Uh, reverbed out kind of spacey vibe how much how much drugs are, are you on right now currently i'm just on you some supplements a- <laughs> it's so sad currently <laughs> as we get older we just I know. take a bunch of multivitamins we just try and tap into our previous experiences yeah. so yeah I, obviously days. i think like in reality a lot of uh listeners i think will think of musicians who have this more psychedelic uh, tone as being mm. sort of beyond normal uh, baseline. Right. Like, you know, and right. that there's got to be something else that they're seeing that I'm not seeing, that I'm right. not hearing. Mm. And obviously you're not high all the time, if, if, at, if at all, when you're recording this stuff. I don't. No, I so used the question to is, more do that. How do you channel this sort of otherworldliness in the right. sound? Right. That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, well, interestingly, well, so... I've been doing a lot of meditation and exploring that. So that helps. And it's very much tied into the same world. I kind of believe that psychedelics and whether it's mushrooms or ayahuasca essentially can tap you into a version of or a sometimes more extreme version of a world that you can also tap into through meditation and through sort of intent and focus. Mm. But um, I also connected with this psychic in Savannah and we've become really good friends And she had sort of premonitions that we would end up working together. And so that has become a a, a recent thing. kind of like your psychic therapist in a A, way. In a way. Everyone needs one. (laughs) I know. Um, It's a very bizarre experience where we met. And she said that she had known about me for a while before we met, like a good 10 years. And now we've, you know, just become friends. And she kind of is a little bit of a guide. So she's sort of my version of, she's my acid. How did you guys meet? We met. In New York. We met in New York in 2001. Yeah. Um, through I went to NYU and his sister Rachel. What did you study? I studied theater. And weird theater. I studied experimental theater, which which actually makes sense. Oh, yeah. What I'm doing right now is closer to what I studied. A kind of performance art, saying yes to a bunch of shit. And then and making art out of that, and I guess that's kind of what my career is now, yeah, there isn't was it? This great moment on a recent tour, we were touring with this band Jared in the Mill from Arizona. Oh, great, yeah. yeah, yeah we and love uh, and one of the guys, I think it was Chuck, the bass player. As soon as we got off stage of our first show, he's like, "To Lauren, you went to theater school, didn't you? No, art school. <laughs> or, you went like, to art school. You definitely went to art school. Did you do a lot of comedic, Del Arte? <laughs> and, and she I did. did. <laughs> I was like, you knew. How'd so you get? Uh, yeah, so you're a clown I'm at a heart. I'm a clown at heart. Do you think like the immediacy mm. of music is why you maybe were drawn to that over theater? Or? I think getting mm, to also have question. the live performance ongoing. Like there's no end to it, and there's also no end to like I also don't believe in staleness. I think with this as well, it's like even if you're playing the same songs every night, there's always something new to find, and there's always a new way to engage yourself within the material. And that's what theater school also taught me is that 
you know, you can get sick of a play if you're doing an eight week run, but, but there should, you should always be learning something at every show and being present in it. Mm. And I think that that is really exciting to bring that into the music world. There's another line that you have in a song, uh, it's dangerous to live like us. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and sort of life is this tight rope walker mm-hmm. when yes. you're an artist. Um, is that, you know, in, in some way, maybe also part of the appeal that like, mm. that it's this gamble that most people lose, except that maybe not us right. type thing. And also what is yeah, losing I love too, that interpretation. you know, it's like, right. Well, they like, isn't the journey itself, Winning. The winning, yeah. right? Because part of, it's also part of recognizing the shift. Also, we're very fortunate that like we're married, we enjoy what we do, we travel, we like to make a lot of the same decisions. I think in the past, I was in these situations where not everyone in the band had the same vision. And I think that was where the turmoil a lot of times came from, was the conflict of like, we're both on this journey, but you want the journey to go this way, and I want the journey to go this way. But in this band and with Lauren, it's like we very much, you know, not that we don't fight, but <laughs> we very much want the same path, which is mm-hmm. that in itself is, you know, liberating. liberating it's so and exciting. exciting to work with somebody that says yes more than no, that we're, that, that, that you feel that, you, you thrive on it. Yeah. I would say there's definitely, from listening to... Uh, the one record that you have, right, <laughs> uh, which is called Colars. Yeah, uh, you, you know it makes my life easy. You know, I'm like I don't have to go back to nine records, uh, and I've listened to it a bunch of times because I thank you. think it's pretty dope. Oh, thank you. I, I also particularly appreciate all of the instrumentals that are on. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, Spotify. Um, yeah. yeah. Because you you work in in film and TV a lot, right. so that's probably very useful to have. Yeah, but also the, the spaghetti like the spaghetti westernish um, vibe of it, I was super digging. Nice, the, the cool. surf Thanks. rockabilly thing. Um, but I also would love to hear from you guys how a song germinates, how it starts. Yeah, I think it varies from piece to piece. But I'd be interested to hear what Lauren, because oh. I often answer this oh. question, but I want to hear what Lauren. You're thinks. the songwriter. Yeah, but that's I mean, why actually, it's fun to I'm hear. feeling more and more. You are the songwriter, but but it goes through a process with the two of us. I definitely. wouldn't call myself a co-songwriter, but I definitely feel like I'm on that journey with you as opposed to in other bands where a song has just been brought to me and then and then it's almost complete and then I put in my my parts and my Yeah, pieces. Lauren's a lot more involved in Kolar's than he's my brother, the yeah. project in terms of the songwriting. And well, there's only two of us, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but you have she, she we call Lauren the editor. Yeah. So I come in and it's like, okay, editor is going to check Basically the person this. that nobody wants to hang out with. <laughs> and she's sort of, but like literally 90% of the time I'm like, oh yeah, she's right. Dang. So okay. basically it starts with Rob has an idea for melody on acoustic or something like yeah. that. And then, and then, and then lyrics, but also like, call it like. There's, there's, it's, it's a painting, but it hasn't been all shaded in with all of the colors mm-hmm. yet, even with the lyrics. And then he sings it for me, and then I come in and I go, okay, what if we switch around that part a little bit? What if those lyrics? What if we add that part to the lyrics, or we swap those, or we? And I kind of just add that shading into it. Can you yeah. tell by the look on her face if a song is not working? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> absolutely. Like that stink face like the stink that I give face. you. It's like they're like a fart in the. I room. can tell that to, with my <laughs> wife, wife now. Yeah. Where there's this sort of like, uh huh, yeah. It's like she doesn't want to be right. mean about it, yeah. but she's just We're like, I'm not feeling it. it. Yes, 
I was just thinking about as far as the rhythm stuff goes too. If he comes up with some kind of drum beat, because he also comes up with drum beats too, it's not just me. I have to figure out: Can I play this live? Can I tap with it while I play it live? So sometimes my changes come mm. from: Can I? Can I? Can I recreate this with my hands and my feet going at the same time? And we have to think about that. Yeah, sometimes there's logistical yeah. questions that need to be asked or <laughs> yeah. answered. Are you? Um, does the melody come before the words, or do you have phrases or, or sort of seeds of, of lyric that come? and then you write around those. Usually I take the more, as they say, Paul McCartney approach of like melody first, even if the lyrics are kind of shitty, <laughs> um, and then contour the lyrics to fit better and to make more sense. But sometimes it varies. Lately we've been doing some stuff where the groove comes first. So yeah. it'll be a beat. We've been like, that's one thing we're exploring more with this band. It's like, I'll be like, Lauren, write a beat, write a rhythm, and then I'll take um, music and, and melody and lyric and and yeah. be inspired by that. So are using that's been a new thing. Are you using electronics too, no. or just just? Real I'm just going percussion. in the room and I'm just figuring yeah. out a beat that I can also physically do. I mean, that's yeah. where my my because mm -hmm. I want to be able to do it all live. Um, I don't like it when I have to kind of change too much what I'm doing because I want it to feel, you know, real and and also challenging for me. Are you yeah. a self-taught percussionist? Oh yeah, not a self-taught tapper. But a self-taught drummer. When did you start tap dancing? When I was six. Yeah. Back Long in, time. Back in, back in Massachusetts. Back in the day, just about 10 years ago. <laughs> so. No, no, no ages here. <laughs> <laughs> at um, some point in time. At some point in time. But the drumming I had to figure out because it was literally, how can I keep that tap rhythm and do the drums? And I would Google, does anyone do this? Can I learn from anybody? And mm. there'd be nothing. Is there a pickup in the, in the bass drum tap stage that you have? No. You just mic it? Oh, we mic by the mic tap it. box. It does It does project a bit, and we cut a yeah. hole in the side, which pushes sound a little bit, but really it's... I just mic the top with the like top. a 57. But because usually. it's made out of a kick drum, there is some resonance to there it. There is. And we yeah. usually slap a bunch of reverb on it, too, yeah. so to give it... I don't want it to sound too tappy. No. And we do use um, samples and, mm -hmm. and sample drums incorporated into what Lauren does, too. And we kind of like that hybrid world of, like, as a band, we're almost part DJ or part yeah. production and part live and finding the balance in that. So on this uh, self-titled record, there's obviously a lot more going on than just, you know, a couple instruments. Oh, Definitely. Yeah. So, are you playing most of the instruments, the, the keyboards them. and the, the synths? Yeah, and the, pretty much all of it. And we have some friends know, that will come in for a like cello part or background cello. vocals. But Rob plays lots of instruments, so it's very talented. What are your man. What are your four that you're most competent at? That you think? Uh, bass. Um, bass first. That's it. <laughs> the rest, I'm. I just get. I get by. <laughs> but like, I could actually. I think I could actually play bass in a band, like a professional band, and like do all right. Did you start <laughs> playing guitar when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, guitar and then bass. The I started. I had like a punk band in high school, and it was like no one could play bass. It was like three guitars, so someone has you. So I started playing bass. And then I started singing and convinced the other guitar player, maybe you should play bass so I could sing. Yeah, you've never played bass and sang at the same time. I right? have. Oh, you have? In that band. But then I oh, realized like it's it wasn't really hard. working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always amazed yeah. that people can do that. That's really hard. Yeah, Sting can do it pretty well. Yeah. Well, well the bass is my favorite instrument, so... Well, was, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, no, I'm, sorry. I'm glad I'm that's stuff. I love the bass. The bass is what you, you actually dance to. You think it's yeah. the drums, but as a dancer, you actually dance to the bass more than you dance to the drums. So how do you do that with only two people 
and you're playing guitar, you're playing percussion. How, Live, you mean? Live. Yeah, how does, how does the low end... Loops, tracks, you know, per, basically an iPad. Yeah. yeah. And that was great. That was a next level thing for me to learn too because your timing has to be so insanely tight and with the tapping and everything, it was really hard to get that locked in. So that was a new... Yeah, it's always a good sign when someone's like, man, you guys make a lot of sound for two people. And I'm sort of like, well, you know, we have that is also me playing bass on another day, (laughs) you know, but a lot of people don't realize, which is kind of cool that there's it's almost like a little bit of like like Wizard of Oz vibes of like the man behind the curtain of sound. Um, But we also like having control of the sound in that way. We want to know how the bass part is going to sound. We want right. to have the background vocals be sung in the way that we feel like yeah. it should be for that song. It's it's nice. We're kind of control freaks, I think yeah. we're learning. And there's enough live and enough kind of pre-record that it, it there's a balance, yeah. I feel like, which is nice. If your rock and roll dream could be fulfilled tomorrow, do you see yourselves adding more people around you or do you think you want to expand your your skills within the duo setup it's tough i think i used to be more like well this is what we'll do now and then work towards like having some more members and i think we will but more as guests i kind of there's something really wonderful about working within our limitations and what can we do that's how we push ourselves too i love that challenge what can two people make and how can that also feel like a big show yeah and work i mean like a great example now is someone like saint vincent who's going out on tour and literally it's just her and, and then like the production of her tracks but she's an incredible guitar player she's a great singer great songwriter so there's all this live emotion but definitely pre-recorded elements but it it's a great show because of also her costuming and the lights and all of these other elements that are creative live elements. So I think it's all about finding that balance. 10 years from now, uh-huh. right. top of your head, where would you want to be and what would you be doing? I'd want to still be doing this. Definitely this. And, and be allowed to still do this, like still have an audience that's interested in yeah. what we're doing period i mean right and and i'm open to whatever that means yeah build a sustainable career you know we look at some of our favorite bands in terms of like career arc are like spoon or uh wilco Mm -hmm. or my morning jacket bands that have just kind of kept putting out good records kept building on their audience and now it's like they have this wonderful foundation where people just love those bands okay maybe they didn't go mainstream in a huge way or have huge hits that like are household songs but people are still discovering those records and going wow these are great songs and i just think that will continue to happen you know, maybe we'll develop our own label or create a film or create our own festival. Like, yeah. And then how can we put back into the art world what, what we've, we've been so yeah, lucky to, to achieve? Yeah. yeah. What would you tell someone who's sitting at a desk job right now on this beautiful sunny day who wants to okay. be making music instead? Do it. Quit now. Yeah. Honestly. Just I separate mean, your need for that money <laughs> yeah or, you know or stability or, 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 or stability or, for at least in the beginning i mean it's it's tough because there's a lot of variables it's easy to say that but it's also like 
are you, why are you why do you want to do it like are you do you want to be a musician because you want to be famous or do you want to be a musician because you want to be an artist and you want to live that life and, and experience that when did you guys go full-time full-time like artist yeah. mode 2016 in this band I feel like it was I it was lucky when I got work doing scoring was when I made the full transition because that afforded me a lifestyle before that we always had some kind of part-time job i was like uh, a nanny for like or a manny for a while i did like after school teaching like in you know east la and compton and stuff mm-hmm. and i worked at a warehouse for a while and and lauren was waitressing, waitressing for years for 16 actually years. up until like a year or two ago yeah um, there was always something. And I think you can do that too. Like, it's cool to have like a part-time, like a lot of, uh, Lyft drivers are also musicians. And I think that's a cool, flexible job that allows you to mm-hmm. do that. I think there's always means and ways to do it. But I think, yeah, ultimately if you're going to do the nine to five thing and try and also be an artist, it's, I mean, it's well, there's a, there's a disconnect, I think, between people f- viewing your life as this sort of frivolous well, right, kind right. of, uh, living the dream type thing. Right. Whereas a lot of it is you're working on five levels to just sort like of be nine heard to five. Ha ha ha. Try nine to like right. 2 AM, which is, <laughs> I, that's a good point. It's like, we work oftentimes 12 hour days, oh, certainly yeah. on the road. Well, and, and also pre tour too, because right. there's a lot of work that goes into But it's tours. work we love doing yeah. and we're passionate about. So it doesn't feel like you're working for someone else's dream, you know, which I think is the key, but that you brought up a really great point with that. What is the uh, most underrated music town you think in the states right now? That's a this is a great interview. Um, I feel like Austin lives up to its rating pretty well and is a great one, but I feel like Asheville has a lot of yeah. cool potential and it's a really cool town. I actually think Orlando surprisingly has some cool bands that live there, like the Wooly Bushmen and the Shabooms. Like, there's a scene there that's pretty cool. Yeah, and really nice people. Um, I feel like maybe, I don't know if it's like a burgeoning music town, but as a cool town is in Montana. um, Missoula. Missoula has like a cool vibe. And I feel like it definitely has an artistic sense and like some really cool like vintage shops Mm. and definitely some venues. But I feel like that feels like a town of that state that could kind of bring, like a cool band could come out of there and I wouldn't be surprised and they go on and do a lot of great things. But yeah, you almost don't know where, like, oh wait, you're big here. Like in England, Nottingham has been this city that like has loved us. But I remember with He's My Brother, She's My Sister, the one, the most depressing show of our entire was career Nottingham. was in Nottingham. When like two people where were Where we there. played just for the sound guy yeah. and it was raining and depressing. Yeah, yeah. England overall for Kolars has been... Great. In Germany, in yeah. Germany. I mean, yeah. And you, you have. Do you book this stuff yourself? You have an agent. You have an agent. And a manager Lauren, over there. Lauren connected with this guy who works at a really cool, great agency. If you had to do a show in space, how do you think that would go? God, I want to do love that it. so bad. Of course, it'd be difficult for Lauren if the gravity situation. Oh yeah, I kind of need some gravity. <laughs> Strap down. The ta- yeah. Everything would be <laughs> halftime because the taps wouldn't reach. If the even ground. that, it would be like. <laughs> like you think maybe SpaceX when they launch like their first colony up there. I mean, I would oh, yeah. love to be the first band to perform in space. We could take that. But remember what your grandmother rains. said to us once about the wedding. Oh, what you was t- that line? She was said. 
She's like, okay, now we've had a wedding in the desert. We've oh. had a wedding in the woods. We've had a wedding by the sea. We just need now a wedding on the moon. <laughs> and I love that because... This woman sounds amazing. <laughs> she she yeah, was amazing. She passed away too, sadly, but she's a Jamaican character. Yeah, Jamaican grandma, Oma. But yeah, um, Wedding on the Moon. I love yeah, that. So that maybe that should moon. be our next album title, Wedding, Wedding on, on the, the Moon. moon. Heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> what did you What did you guys grow up listening to that really rocked your world? I was a big classic rock girl. So I'm like CCR, um, Bruce Springsteen, uh, God. And also, but also Motown, 60s. I can Tina, that whole world, very mm-hmm. much so. From your folks, or did you just seek it me, out on your just own? Just for me, yeah. But Boston has a huge classic rock. Like, Big Boston time. loves Boston. Boston radio is all exactly. about the classic rock. <laughs> exactly. More Than a Feeling is played all Were the time Were you a in Boston, Boston fan? Yes, I was. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, because of the Jamaican thing, we grew up on a lot of Bob Marley, so that was a big, like, musical thing played when we were kids. Um, so I always loved him. And then as a kid, it was like the Doors film really affected me. So I saw that when I was Val like. Val Kilmer? Yeah. And so I got really into the Doors early on. And really, then, really cute Meg Ryan. <laughs> she was she gorgeous in that. Oh, oh my God. God I forgot. But also like as a middle schooler, like I'm like, wait, this exists? Like what is this world? Right. So that really tripped me out. T-Rex. And also seeing like yeah. Pulp Fiction early on. My dad took me to see that in the theater and the music, like that, like it's a, it's a fun father. Da, 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 I know, da, 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 right? Father son. <laughs> yeah, outing. like I remember. We were sort of, there wasn't a lot of conversation God, after that we walked out. Scene of the must film. have like real. Shocking. Yeah, he denied it for years after, but I'm like, Dad, you did take me to see Pulp Fiction. I was like um, 13, maybe. Um, and then it was like punk rock in high school, so like rancid operation ivy it's like th- th- those are bands it's like oh i can actually play this like you're first starting guitar and it's like oh right. shit i can play this i can maybe i can even start a band that sounds remotely like like one the of ramones these. I was yeah ramones yeah. yeah ramones clash rancid operation ivy what was your punk rock band called i had uh inside out was the first one and then the hiccups so, but the hiccups was a little Scott too. The hiccups right? got Scott, so we had a little bit more of that like mighty mighty boss tones, Operation Ivy kind of thing going on, no doubt, and all that. The um, the creative part of this interview is about to happen. Oh, it has to happen. I love it. <laughs> I want you to think, uh, stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. top of your head, or don't fir- think. I guess don't think. The first thing that comes to your mind when I say. Razor blades. Slice. Blood red. Buried treasure. Search. Eye patch. Underwater lover. Salamander. I thought of underwear. I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Salamander like the little creature? <laughs> <laughs> you said stream. You said first thing. <laughs> 1955. Elvis. I. I? I don't know. I don't like know eyeballs? I don't even know. Yeah. Actually, more than Elvis, it was his hair, like the pomp, like yeah. pompadour. Romance. Here. Italy. Here, like LA? Yeah. Well, I thought of here in this room and you. And what has happened in this room? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Romance between the three of us. I was actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
here now with you. This is the romantic romantic moment <laughs> I've been waiting for. Dropping a hint. <laughs> if you could picture yourself as an animal that you evolved from in the distant oh, past. Oh, that we were from. What do you think so that an, animal an would extinct be? animal? No, it could be any animal. Uh-huh. Interesting. What if we can we choose the other animal for the other Absolutely. person? Cuz okay. that might be fun. <laughs> <laughs> or Actually, offensive. okay, I kind of know. Yeah, you're not going to like it. I don't think you're going to like mine either, so I'm okay with that. Some sort of for me like you're some sort of beaver. <laughs> I know that all sounds that, but like very Are organized. Are you me right now? Very organized. <laughs> you have your home sorted. You're like, and you're work. You work very hard. You're. It's like all these attributes. She like builds her nest. Yeah. Okay. Not maybe aesthetically. I build dams. Not you yeah. don't have big front teeth, though. I I. I like a little snaggle tooth sometimes. But. Yeah, you got one. I <laughs> was thinking for you, and this is just because this is what you remind me of. Okay. A turtle. Oh, that is surprising. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, now I know why. Well, sometimes your face reminds me of a turtle. No offense. I like to enjoy turtles look. But, I've never gotten that But before. also, I think people's perception of you can be more of a harder shell or that you, there's a toughness about you or there's a removed... But really, there's there's a vulnerability and there's a soft and a sweetness that when I think of you, I think of that and and it's that. Okay. Outside and inside. Turtle. Turtle. Turtle and a beaver. That's the that's the album title. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fairy tale. Here's another one. Um, what song of anyone's? Yeah. Do you immediately think of when you think of your mother? Mm. That's a great question. Julia. Because John wrote that about his mother, right? Yeah, he did. Oh, is that why? I mean, that's part of it. I just is your mother's name Julia? She's. N- it's not, but it's. He sings it in this sweet. It's like slightly complicated, but sweet. And there's something wonderfully. There's a melancholy to it. Yeah, there is. Like you'll never maybe fully understand what she's about. No he, way. Though I understand my mom, but we've had complicated times in our lives and there's i i think i lean more into the 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 optimism that is in that song but yeah that's a good really good observation oh i have an artist but not a song i think of like the supremes i don't know why she also dances kind of like that but she has a lot of energy a lot of energy so motown feels pretty appropriate and that's her era in a lot of ways do you feel like you're more like your mom or your dad i'm actually kind of a combination but on the surface, I'm more like my mother, but but inside I'm I'm like both of them. My father is a little bit more reserved. He he has a shyness to him. Um, he's an introvert, and that that's very much a part of me as well. I think. I think that's accurate. Oh, did you both feel that you had to rebel against sort of your parents in some way to be a, a musician as as a life choice, or do you feel like they were with you the whole way? Great my parents question. were with me all the way. Were they? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they would like me to have more money at times, I think, for my own sake, because they think life gets a little bit easier when you have more money. But Mm. other than that, there was never a question about me going to art school. There was never a question. I mean, I got my degree in like experimental theater, so they were pretty. What what did your folks do for a living? My mother um, is actually an actress, a theater actress on the side. And then she works for Children's Hospital. And then my father is a scientist, kind of MIT guy. So your mom, your mom 
got the impulse. Mm-hmm. They got it. And my father's actually a great musician too. He's a great pianist. And I think part of him would have wanted a life like this, even though mm. he's not necessarily a front man persona, but I think the life of traveling and making music and creating music is within him. What about you with your parents? Yeah, it's an interesting one because both of my parents were a little bit, we lived a very volatile life growing up with like highs and lows and my parents were both in entertainment in some to some degree and my mom grew up because my grandfather was a pretty well-known actress so she grew up around it but then he had 10 kids so she wasn't You'd th- you know, it's funny on the surface, you'd think, oh, like my mom would have come from a lot of money and she grew up with it. But as it is in the entertainment business, that financial stability isn't necessarily there. You think it's there because you had it's to have like, the 10 kids. Right. Well, that's <laughs> also part your of grandfather's it. biggest film. Jaws was at the end of his life as opposed to earlier in his life. right? Yeah. And there were a lot of screw ups in terms of some of the financial decisions and choices made. So. But anyway, so my parents struggled a lot and then but then they had a lot of success and they were in the entertainment field. But back to your original question was like whether you had to kind of struggle against them or whether they were supportive. And I, it's kind of a two edged sword for me where they did, but they were also like film people. So they didn't really understand music. They thought it was cool that I was pursuing it. I don't know in the beginning if they thought that I had maybe the talent to really make it a career or not. I don't know if they, maybe they just didn't know. And also in high school, the music was what took me away from like studies. studies. And I ended up not really, I got basically um, expelled. expelled. I, I was, I managed to work out this deal where I got to keep my diploma, but I wasn't able to walk with my class. And I basically was like, yeah, expelled from high school and had a there were a lot of parent teacher meetings, all this kind of stuff, because I'd already decided at 16 that I wanted to pursue music and be a musician. So there was it was a it was a complicated thing. Like they wanted to be supportive, but they also saw that as like the reason that I went from being a good student in middle school to being this kind of screw up in high school and having all these problems. So it took a few years of convincing Mm for them to really come around. And then my dad became like the biggest fan and supporter. He, before he passed, I mean, years, he would be at every one of our shows. It was incredible. It was kind of like... Yeah, so it went from this kind of complicated thing to like a wonderful... Fan. Yeah, him especially was... He couldn't have been a bigger fan. It wasn't fan. a show that he missed. Ever. So it, it's so great in a lot of ways that we're able to name the band after his name because he was such a force of like... Inspiration. He was born in Czech Republic? He was, yeah. Was it Czechoslovakia at that point? It was, yeah. Yeah, Czechoslovakia. If you could move right now to any place in the world that you visited, pack one suitcase and go there. Oh, it's hard because I like warm weather, but I also really like London. Mm, That's interesting. I'm surprised that you said London. I just think there's something about that city. We do that I love. love it here in a lot of ways. It's hard. It depends too. It's like, are we just giving up our life as an artist and we're just going to live? Can the cats come? <laughs> well, there's all these. Que- we have too many questions associated. Let's with just this. say you had to escape like a dangerous plot against your lives. Oh, yeah, in London. that case, London. Yeah, I feel like that you're going to go right into some danger going there, but. I just love I, I, the museums and the art there Turkey, and the music though? there. Turkey is just Turkey extraordinary. It depends what you're looking for. Right. 
R and R or like. Have you played in Turkey? We haven't played in Turkey yet. No, Uh, we love to though. Hopefully soon. Just traveled around there. We have some friends there. We we'd love to do that. We we really want to like go to Japan and Turkey with the band and like play countries that a lot of you know musicians from the states don't go. But do do um, you feel like um, you guys are ambassadors of? LA sometimes where you go to other places and people oh, like to trash talk yes. so LA is this in that place. way yeah, you yes. probably do too, right? yeah, yeah you must feel that way too yeah. um, especially because you're from here you, well right and that's I think, a big part of it I feel it. like most people I know who are actually from here are the most sort of intelligent chill people I know they're not like thank you what I'm, people think I'm like, not oh, sure if you included me into that but no no but okay. like you're like when people say like oh you're so LA it's like this right. weird sort of snarled Right. Sort of dismissal yeah. that, oh, yeah. like, well, nothing that you make is really real. It's right. like kind of just you're just trying to get famous and you think you're better than me. Definitely. Right. That's there's right. a real thing, especially in certain cities like San Francisco, I feel like really holds on to that. It's 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 dissipated a little bit. But yeah, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. It's almost like the n- further north you get on the West Coast. Right. And the New York bullshit. a little bit. There's certain cities. I feel like a lot of it comes out of competition. But there is some truth to it. Yeah, there's a and side I of L.A. that I don't like. There's a real, yeah, yeah, there's a real obnoxious side to L.A. But I think a lot of that comes from, A, the celebrity culture in L.A., because it's this hierarchical pyramid of like who's important, Cast who's system. powerful. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely. And people that have moved here that think like this is how I'm meant to be in LA because they also see like that's how it's on a film set or that's how it is when I'm hanging out with this celebrity or I see this celebrity is this like class system. So I think less of it, like you were kind of pointing at, is about people who are from here and like the, the, the actual base culture to LA and it's more about what's been created because of Hollywood and fame and all these other things. Well, I always like to think that like I mean I'm from the Midwest and LA has this uh a bit of a mythos, you know, especially even in Chicago of, mm. of people who came out of there who were actors or right. theater people mm. who were musicians as this place that you go to try to really do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that maybe gets a bad rap, but also it's like, don't you it's want to be thing. surrounded by people who are really going for it and in a way? And just taking a chance. Yeah. There's yeah. a hope that exists in this city that's contagious that I love. And I think that is real, really true. Yeah. yeah, it's a wonderful, that is a wonderful thing about LA is it, it's so open-minded. There's not really limits. And if you have an idea, you can make it happen. And no one, uh, people may discourage you, but for the most part, as a city, as a culture, LA is going to be like, we'll go for it. And there's a lot of cities out there, even New York in a lot of ways. Boston, A lot more pessimistic, a lot more like, nah, that's not going to happen, or you you can't think like that. But also allowed you to start writing music for film and TV stuff. So how did that sort of fall into your life? Through Chicago, through Steve Pink. Oh. So he reached out. He was a fan. He's my brother. She's my sister. And on a whim I got an email he sent an email and Lauren at first thought it was like is this real is this spam we were in a really unlucky place <laughs> yeah so I had, had this horrible felt like spam I had this horrible hand injury I'd had like all, a lot of bad things had, had gone bad things had gone worse <laughs> and uh, and he wrote out of the blue and was like would you be interested in this kind of thing I'm doing this pilot it stars some of the people it's in, you know it's involving some of the people from the Daily Show because the Daily Show had just kind of ended with Jon Stewart at least that version of it um, and I was like 
well, yeah, I'm not doing anything right now. And my band just broke up and all these things. Um, so, yeah, it was a roll of the dice. But that was a, one of those lucky break kind of situations. And yeah. then it was like, what do we do with this? Do we turn this into um, a down payment on a house? Or do we put this in a down payment on a band and start this band that we, because we had this dream of having a band and touring. And we loved, Lauren and I loved doing it. And Lauren worked so hard as a kind of the managerial and creative persona like let's invest yeah. into our own career um, which is a bit of a gamble a lot of people wouldn't make you're that investing choice. in your own happiness i feel like you can, yeah you can buy a house and that's great but that's not like investing in experiences right um in a life you yeah know? it's just a thing to own exactly and the ability to create the things and tell the stories that you wouldn't be able to yeah. tell and no one would be able to hear otherwise in right. a way you know very much so. i don't need a house but i really wanted a tour right and you, to have, make nice, you have a nice video have, yeah we're happy here it's fine <laughs> i mean you no, guys like should it. go to more dodger games probably <laughs> <laughs> so the the detour uh which is on tbs yeah correct um that's a uh, jason jones sam b producing um very funny, sort of off-kilter family comedy. Yeah. Um, kind of <laughs> fits really well with your music, to be honest, because there's oh, this good. sort okay. of uh, slightly bizarro um, uh, from left field version of what a family is. Yeah, that's totally. very true, actually. Yeah. yeah. And unconventional, for sure. So you were saying how, how Jason sometimes will come up with lyrics and, you know, do you find that collaborating with uh, another person lyrically is, is super challenging or does it give you ideas that you wouldn't have otherwise? More of the latter. He he writes some great, very funny lyrics. He's a funny guy. He writes a lot of the scripts for the show, so he's definitely has that writer mentality as a comedian. Um, so he'll throw me, and what it usually does is it like sparks. It's like, okay, how can I build on this? It's that kind of yes and improv. You know, I did some UCB, so it's like how can I take his idea – build on it creatively add the music that supports it so like we did we've done some fun things we did like this restaurant musical it's like almost like dinner theater but about, but it's really bad taste about conquistadors so it like celebrates the conquistadors coming so it's like how can we like make this really funny song that in bad taste but that kind of shines the light on how ignorant people are about the reality of conquistadors like push it to the its furthest realm so it then highlights how kind of horrible these people right. were and how like misguided like our history books are on like what the conquistadors were doing how quick is the turnaround sometimes when they ask you for stuff for it can show? be fast like well, some Sam B's are the fastest. So I do also music for Full Frontal. Oh, and nice. sometimes that's like, we need this in two days. And or we're like, we need, on this, tour we need this yesterday. Oh, yeah, that's what's been crazy. Like, we were in Germany and they needed this piece, this whole musical piece. And like, Spider-Man, Sam had to yeah. like, yeah, oh, and then Spider Man. There was a couple pieces and they had to like rehearse with it and all this stuff. So it was like, I was literally in hotel rooms with a laptop. Lauren was like singing the vocals. And I have even a bad she, voice. So he put a well. lot of effect on it. There's a lot of reverb happening. <laughs> reverb always saves Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, so yeah, that and it was a little bit crazy because we were like playing shows, and then that same night I'd be working on stuff, editing. So it was a little bit insane. But, but also the exciting thing is you can do it when you're on the road. Yeah, you won't sleep. Yeah, you're really stressed out, but you can kind well, of combine it. Well, that's the amazing it. thing because yeah. of technology. 
Is there a director that you would love to score a movie for? Oh, so many. He's uh, Kubrick, but he's not alive. <laughs> Um, of an alive director. Paul Thomas Anderson is pretty badass. Yeah. Or the Coen brothers. The Coen brothers. Those would be way up there. It'd be nice to do like a classic Spielberg, right? Like, wouldn't you want to do that? Honestly, I just don't think I'd be right for it. So it's John Williams that does all the Spielberg stuff, right? Or is it It's just not my wheelhouse. What did your grandfather do in Jaws? He was, uh, Quint. Quint. So the captain of the boat who got eaten. Yeah, he died. He's, that's his. That's well, the bust of his. So head when right people there. ask me, like, oh, you know, they don't know who he was or, or anything, like, oh yeah, if if the hero comes up, I often tell you, know, my grandfather died. He was eaten by a shark. Which is. <laughs> Did you have a relationship like, with him? No, he died before I was born. Mm. Yeah, he's but, named after. But him. funny enough, you say that I. To very much have had a relationship with him because so many stories and he's he's one of those figures I think every family has figures like this that are like these sort of legends in the family or there's a lot of also you know, that he was in so many films it's great when you have maybe like you know some right, other family can, so he can live on because you see him walk and talk and create he's alive still in, in a way in, yeah through like his the sting films. was great in the sting do yeah you, do you guys believe in ghosts yes definitely hundred percent. Have you seen them in, in person? Remember in Scotland? Yeah, we've seen them, but more so I felt that, I feel like I'm the con- more convincing factor is feeling them or feeling their presence. But yes, I have also seen, I wouldn't call seeing a ghost pr- specifically, but seeing um, an anomaly or, of that world of the, you know, another yeah. dimension. And since your thing. father passed too, I believe in them even more because I can feel when he's around. Mm. Do you feel like he visits you in some form? I felt him his like at shows, maybe? touch and, and presence a couple of times, especially right after when I was feeling particularly emotional about him going. I felt like he came in some form that I could feel. But we do we dedicate a song to him almost every show, and that sometimes uh, during that song... Which song? Uh, Beyond the World of Man. Mm. And that song I can feel feel you know I or at least I like to project that I or we can get feel. to think about him for yeah. a song and I like that because it because he was at every show almost at least in LA and so it's like he's still there is yeah. there an afterlife yes but I have no idea what it is definitely uh but it's an ambiguous reality yeah. that that is um I think there's also m- multiple lives. Like I think a lot of us have, in some form, lived before this life, and will continue to live after. Whether it's like a direct reincarnation, like you then become a bird or you become this specific other human, I don't know, but I do believe that that our life force sort of lives on and recycles itself or re morphs itself into something else. Can we finish off with a song? Yeah, oh, yeah. Let let's do it. How many how many guitars do you usually play with on a on a, on a typical show? Two. Four more as a backup, but I try and switch them if I can. What's this song called? A one more thrill. One more thrill. And this is on the this is on the self titled record. Yeah. yeah. Climbing up the 
knows where Praying for a windfall to take me there Thoughts are untied, losing my mind I take a breath but can't find the air Tied to the tracks of the same routine Wild up the world where I used to Dream days were all tired, claiming my mind I cut the knot but I can't break free And maybe I just want to live my life Feel just one more thrill before I die Strive to gain Play into a system that I still blame Thoughts are untied Losing my mind I roll the dice in a time old game But every move we make Like a domino Tipping the scales into where we go The world is all tied I made up my mind I take a chance on the bones I throw And maybe I just want to live my life Feel just one more thrill Before I die Before I die Before I die Before I die was super fun guys that's great there it is rob and lauren from kolars you can go to kolarsband.com for their music and their tour dates february 22nd they will be at the echo in la i'm gonna go and check that out it's gonna be fun and also if you want to check out the detour which is on tbs rob does the music for it it's pretty sweet the show on the road is hosted by me zach lupiton and produced by the handsome hawaiian chris jacobs with support from the bluegrass situation team the show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lubiton. See you on the trail.